When they've got too much cash, they send it to the bank in an armored truck. When they don't have enough, they do the same thing in reverse. Two or three deliveries a day, all told. Taking down an armored truck isn't really feasible, though. The modern ones are like tanks full of money. Hitting the bank where the money's coming from isn't an option either, because banks have even better security than casinos. The key is to make your move right in the middle of the transaction, while the guys are loading the money on or off the truck. They even make it easy for you. Most casinos don't have a special armored car depot, too impractical. Instead, the truck parks next to one of the rear or side entrances, a different one every time. The guards open up the back and then walk the money right through the glass doors. This is the golden minute of professional heisting. For 60 seconds, a couple of times a day, more money than a couple of guys could get from half a dozen banks changes hands out there in the open, right in front of everybody. All a professional heisting team has to do is get past two or three guys with crew cuts and guns and then drive away before the cops show up. Easy as that. Of course, you need to know when the deliveries are going to happen, and how much money is involved, and which entrance the trucks are going to use, but these details aren't impossible to get. Information's the easy part. Getting away, that's the hard part. If you can snatch the money and disappear in two minutes, you'll end up rich. Jerome Ribbons looked down at his gold Rolex. It was half past five in the morning. The first delivery was half an hour away. It takes months of planning to take down a casino. Luckily for them, Ribbons had done this sort of thing before. Ribbons was a two-time felon out of North Philadelphia. Not an attractive resume item, even for the kind of guy who sets up jobs like this. But it meant he had motive not to get caught. He had skin the color of charcoal and blue tattoos he'd got in Rockview pen that peeked out from his clothing at odd angles. He'd done five years for his part in strong-arming a city bank in Northern Liberties back in the 90s, but had never seen time for the four or five bank jobs he'd helped pull since he got out. He was a big man, at least six foot four, with more than enough weight to match. Folds of fat poured out over his belt, and his face was as round and smooth as a child's. He could press four hundred on a good day, and six hundred after a couple of lines of coke. He was good at this, whatever his rap sheet said. Hector Moreno was more the soldier type. Five and a half feet, a quarter of Rivens's weight, hair as short as desert grass, and bones that showed through his coffee-colored skin. He was a good marksman from his days in the service, and he didn't blink except when he twitched. His sheet showed a dishonorable discharge, but no time served. He got back home and spent a year cutting chops in Boston, and another browbeating protection money out of dope dealers in Vegas. This was his first big job, so he was nervous about it. He had a whole pharmacy in the Dodge with him, just to get his nut up. 
pills and poppers and powders and smokes. He wanted to burn away his jitters with a fistful of speed. There were never enough drugs for him. They'd gone through the whole plan over and over to get ready, but Moreno needed more than that. He finished a big bone of crystal meth with a slurp. His eyes watered up. A friend of his had cooked the crank up in a trailer west of the Schuylkill. It was low-quality strawberry quick, but he didn't care. He wanted to fix and focus, not get blown out of his mind on crank and paint thinner before the main event. Ribbons looked at his watch again. Twenty-four minutes. Neither man spoke. They didn't have to. Moreno took a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket and lit one, then passed the foil over to Ribbons. He let out two puffs in quick succession. Ribbons.